good morning, church. As we uh, continue in worship, we have an opportunity to do something that uh, Christians have been doing for, for centuries and centuries and centuries. Throughout church history, a, a part of corporate worship uh, has been reciting creeds uh, together as the people of God. A creed is simply a, a short uh, statement of faith that kind of outlines what we believe uh, as Christians. And so churches throughout history in corporate worship uh, have recited creeds together as a simple way of affirming uh, what we believe. And as a, as a church family, starting 2021, this new year, uh, it seems fitting that we would do the same. We do this a couple times a year, uh, but we're going to do this uh, this morning. And so we're going to recite one of the earliest known creeds in church history. It's referred to as the Apostles' Creed. And I invite you to stand uh, wherever you are and read this out loud with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's continue in worship. All right, well, hey, good morning once again, and welcome. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at FBC, and I just want to say that I'm really glad that you're here uh, at FBC Online to start out our year. It's 2021, the first Sunday of 2021. I, I really can't believe it. 2020 is behind us. It's, again, hard to come to terms with that, but uh, here we go. I'm glad you're with us as we start out the new year. And let me just say, hey, we, we just closed out 2020. 20, uh, which means that our Bible reading plan as a church came to a close, right? Through the year 2020, we as a church were reading through the New Testament, and so many of you uh, joined that reading plan with us. And so I just want to say, uh, well done. And I hope that as you read through the New Testament, maybe some of you for the first time in its entirety, that you were blessed as you encountered God each day. Uh, so I'm so glad that you joined us on that journey. And, and we're still talking and figuring out what sort of Bible reading plan is ahead this year for our church. So you'll be hearing more about that soon. Um, I've really been looking forward to jumping into the text with you this morning. We just closed out our Second Timothy series, and so we're kind of in between sermon series right now, which means we have a couple weeks of standalone messages. And so uh, today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 primarily. So if you want to open a Bible with me, turn to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be uh, spending some time together this morning. You know, at this time of year, we hear all sorts of sentiments thrown around about the start of a new year. Hope for the future, that things can be different, that we can live new lives and experience uh, reaching new goals and forming new habits and changes on the horizon. It's all very positive. But it raises the question, how? Like, how are we going to be different this year? How are we going to achieve those goals that we set? How are we going to be this new kind of person that we hope to be? How do we change for the better? 
Can we change for the better? I saw this sign in a storefront in downtown Venetia as I was taking a walk the other week, and it said this, let's all be better humans, which I read and was like, hey, cool, okay, good idea, I'm on board. You know, at, at the heart of the sentiments that we spread around this time of year is something like that, right? Like, let's just, can we just be better humans? Can we just do a better job this coming year? Can we just be different? It's like, great, great idea, great in theory, but again, how? You know, like if I, if I was a garbage person this past year, is it really as simple as just like reading this slogan, being like, oh, be a better human. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that this time. You know, there's way more to it than that. It's way more complex than that. And so I think the how isn't always clear, which leads to discouragement because many of us want to be different. We want this year to be different. We want to be better people. We want to honor God. We want to love people better, but we don't always know how. And this isn't just like a, hey, like a people out there deal with this. Uh, this is a, a Christian concern as well, because we'll often, what, we'll read the Bible, and we'll see all these things that God tells us to do and calls us to, to, to love our neighbors, to love even our enemies, to pray for those that uh, persecute you, to live a holy life, to, to trust God in uncertain times to obey the commands of God, to overcome sin, to, to serve my spouse uh, selflessly, to love my kids, to, to share the gospel in a somewhat hostile environment, following Jesus faithfully in the year ahead. I mean, I, I hear you, God, but how? Pastor John Piper once said this. He said, the great problem in contemporary Christian living is not learning the right things to do, but how to do the right things. The problem is not to discover what love looks like, but how to love by the Spirit. And friends, I think as we look out at 2021, our situation is pretty similar. Many of us, we know what to do. So it's not a question of learning the right things to do. We know we should love God and love people and love our families and, and serve others and forgive and love even our enemies and love our kids and our family well. The problem is learning how to do those things. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we look out at a, a year ahead a full calendar year, and Lord, we want to offer it up to you and say, Lord, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? Would you use us as your people? Uh, and God, we do pray that today, as we spend time in your word, that you would teach us and uh, convict us and comfort us and uh, sharpen us. Lord, um, do your work in our hearts by the Spirit. We give you this time, and we look to you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this. Look at it with me. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
Okay, friends, just one little verse we've helicoptered into there, a little bit of context. Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing about this uh, freedom that we can have in Jesus and this new life that we now get to live in Christ. And he contrasts uh, the desires of the flesh or like sinful desires with the desires of the Spirit or uh, the direction of a Holy Spirit-led life, a godly life. And Paul says essentially then that the key to living differently is the Holy Spirit, right? He doesn't say, be better and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh or have a little more willpower and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Just try harder and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. No, what does he say in verse 16? He says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's the how. The Holy Spirit in you is the how of living this changed life. So I want to unpack that a bit this morning, and a few things to clarify right at the get-go. First, uh, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. The Holy Spirit is not some sort of impersonal voodoo to be harnessed, uh, some sort of magic substance. The the Holy Spirit is is a he, not an it. And so right away then we jump into the doctrine of the Trinity. Without going into this uh, too much, we would affirm, as Christians have throughout history, two distinct truths from Scripture. Uh, The first is that there is one God. And the second is that there are three that are God, right? We worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each person distinct in their being and yet perfectly and completely unified and of the same essence. So we worship one God, eternally existing as three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is not a human person, of course, but the third person of the Trinity, equal in glory, along with the Father and the Son, deserving of worship. And so these truths are, are at the foundation of Orthodox Christian belief throughout the centuries. So we walk by the Holy Spirit, God's indwelling presence. But we have to ask then, well, how do we... Uh, receive the Holy Spirit, and engage with the Holy Spirit. Again, if you look at John chapter 14, I can just read this for us. John 14, Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit, and he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So Jesus says that the Father will send his followers a helper, an advocate. He says, look, I've been spending some time with you on earth here for a couple years, and trust me, I've realized you're going to need some help, okay? So the the Holy Spirit is going to be sent to you, who will be with you and will dwell in you. Jesus says elsewhere that the Holy Spirit will lead his disciples into truth, The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. And so first notice with what Jesus is saying here that the Holy Spirit is given. It's a gift. He is a gift. He's not something that we earn or 
conjure up uh, like some sort of you know spiritual rewards program like well we have like the basic entry-level christian most uh, people stay there throughout their lives but if you serve enough and you uh, control yourself enough and you give enough you know we'll, we'll bump you up to a holy spirit class christian okay that's a whole another level another tier and then you'll receive the power of the holy spirit No, the Holy Spirit is not like some uh, secret special blessing or experience that only uh, super holy special Christians receive. Okay, there aren't two tiers of Christians. Uh, All believers have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 1. I know we're jumping around a little bit more than normal to various places in Scripture, but Ephesians chapter 1 says this. uh, Verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So when did you receive the Holy Spirit? When were you sealed with the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 1? Well, it says, when you believed, right? When you heard the gospel and believed. In other words, when you became a Christian. This means that if you're here today and you're following Jesus, you've heard the gospel, you've turned from your sin and received Jesus in faith as Lord and Savior, then you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's presence in your life. He is at work. And friends, that's, that's good news to celebrate. This is the, the fulfillment of, of Old Testament uh, prophecy and hopes, what the prophets Joel and Jeremiah and Ezekiel spoke of. Uh, generations and generations and generations ago that a time would come when God's Spirit would be poured out on His people in a new way, when God would dwell within His people and change their hearts from within, and there would be this sign of the new covenant and this new uh, age and era of history breaking in as the kingdom of God moves forth. And so friends, the coming of the Holy Spirit and His Uh, indwelling believers is the continuation of the gospel. Think about it. The gospel uh, tells us that God saves sinners. God rescues us and God forgives us through the work of Jesus and faith in him. But the good news doesn't stop there. As if like God forgives us and rescues us and then uh, from here on out, it's up to us. Like we have to work hard, we have to earn it, we have to change, we have to do things in our own strength. No, we rely on God's power from start to finish. And so it's God who saves us and forgives us and rescues us. And it's God who empowers us by his grace and by his indwelling presence to live new lives. So from start to finish, the Christian life is enabled and empowered by God. So it's the Holy Spirit, friends, that transforms us within. So, If the Holy Spirit and His indwelling presence is the how of living this new life in 2021, and you have the Holy Spirit if you are a Christian, how do you walk in this way? Right? Galatians 5.16, again, that we started with. So I say, walk by the Spirit, Paul says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do we do that? 
Well, the word walk here is this Greek verb that, that's pretty general. It was a word used commonly to talk about walking a path or living a certain way, conducting your life in such a way. So walk by the Spirit, meaning daily conduct your life in a way that is aligned with the Holy Spirit, dependent upon His power within you. Because that's the key. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live this new life. Elsewhere, uh, the Holy Spirit is linked to our sanctification. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies you, that uh, refines you, that transforms you, that sets you apart, that makes you holy, that, that shapes you and conforms you to the image of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is instrumental in our development, our growth, our transformation as believers. God does His work from within, and the Holy Spirit changes our desires, right? Have you ever uh, looked back on something that you used to eat? For example, let's just talk about food for a second. Have you ever looked back at something you used to eat, you used to enjoy, and you're like, how in the world did I ever eat that? Like, what was I thinking? Like, for me, it's like craft singles, you know, those like slimy, floppy, like smack someone over the face, a little piece of fake cheese, basically. I used to love those things. I'm like, why did I eat Kraft Singles? Now there's like aged cheddar, artisan cheese. Like that's the good stuff. I look back, I'm like, what was I thinking? Or maybe that happens for you with, with food or with an old habit. You look back at something you used to do and you're like, that doesn't sound appealing anymore at all. Why did that bring me joy? That just sounds weird now. This happens with food. This happens with our habits. And God does this in our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit when it comes to our, our character and our relationship to sin. Like As we walk with God and spend time in God's Word and the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, we start to look back at old habits or ways of life or things that we used to do and say, that doesn't sound appealing at all anymore. It's not always instant that that change happens. Sometimes it is rather quick. And it doesn't happen with everything, but as we walk with the Holy Spirit, He does this internal work of, of sanctification where we start to look back at our old lives and ways of sin and habits and say, I don't want any part of that anymore. Not just because, like, I know I shouldn't, but I really do want to, but really start to say, that's not appealing to me anymore because He's doing this transformative work in my life. Now, later in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 25, there's this other Greek verb used for walking that tells us more about what it looks like to walk with the Holy Spirit, okay? Verse 25 of Galatians 5, look, says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, another kind of image of, of walking in the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, but a little different, okay? This verb is translated, keep in step with the Spirit, Okay, and this word specifically carries with it the idea of, of walking in step or marching in line with someone. Walking behind a leader in neat order. Okay, they take a step, you take a step. They take a step, you take a step. To, to walk in the Spirit means then to, to submit or to yield to the Spirit's leading as a soldier would yield to their commanding officer. And so really, walking in the Spirit comes down to who is in control of your life. Billy Graham, the famous evangelist, once said that the essence of sin is self-will. Okay, it's essentially saying, I'm the boss, I'm in charge, but to walk in the Spirit, 
to keep in step with the Spirit, we have to submit to God and say, Holy Spirit, you take over. Holy Spirit, I will follow your lead. Come, Holy Spirit, change me, lead me. It's a lot like yielding to traffic, if you think about it. When we approach a yield sign on the road, right, we're driving. If we obey the sign, it means what? We slow down. We might have to stop and allow another flow of traffic to have the right-of-way. Okay, even though we want to go, we got places to be, we want to drive or have, uh, want to take the lead, to yield means we say, no, it's not my turn. I'm going to allow someone else to go in front of me, and I'll follow in line behind them. And so picture that you're coming to an intersection in your life, and maybe you're not sure you're able to obey God. Maybe you're not sure you want to obey God this year in so many different situations. Maybe God's asking you, again, to love someone that's kind of hard to love, and you're like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I want to. Or maybe God's calling you to forgive someone and release the bitterness that you're holding on to from a past wound, and you're like, I don't know if I can do that, God. I don't know if I want to do that. Or maybe you're trying to resist some kind of temptation to gossip or give in to lust or pornography, and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can say no to this, God. And you're coming up to an intersection, and there's this yield sign there. And in front of you, from left to right, you, you see, as you slow down, this, this caravan going the other direction of truck after truck after truck, truckloads. And this represents God's agenda, God's purposes, led by the Holy Spirit at the helm. And you have a choice. Am I going to cut off this caravan Am I going to swerve into the road and try and take charge? Am I going to plow through the intersection and do things my way? Or am I going to yield, let that flow of traffic continue, and, and then follow into it? Right? In each situation, walking by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, requires this yielding where we say to God, you know what? I'm going to allow your agenda, I'm going to allow your purposes to have the right of way in my life. We have to make that choice. And when, when we do that, when we yield, we simply allow God's power and agenda and purposes to flow. Right? It's not like we have to manufacture energy in order to do those things. We simply allow God to work. We say the Holy Spirit is already moving that direction. God's already moving in the direction of love towards others. God's already moving in the direction of obedience for us. God's already moving in the direction of forgiveness and grace. And so we simply need to get out of the way and allow God's work to take over and allow His desires to be lived out through us. And so friends, this year we're going to face a number of crossroads and intersections. We're going to have a choice. Do I love my neighbor here, or do I choose myself? Will I forgive those who have hurt me? Will I be kind to those who view politics and politicians differently? Will I serve my spouse and love them above myself? Will I love my kids and put in the time to be intentional to lead and shepherd them? Will I be disciplined with my time and self-controlled to give myself to fruitful work? Will I share the gospel in a somewhat hostile environment? We're going to face all kinds of crossroads in 2020.
21, will we keep in step with the Spirit, yield to God, allow Him to have His way in our life? The Holy Spirit is the how for this year, friends. Now, I know what you may be thinking. Well, if, if this is true, and, and if I'm following Jesus, that means I, I have the Holy Spirit in my life, this supernatural presence of God empowering me to live this new and holy life. Why don't I feel that way? Why don't I feel empowered? Why does it feel so hard sometimes to obey God? Why don't I experience his work in my life this way? Because it sounds like we're supposed to be riding this, this motorcycle in the Christian life, and the Holy Spirit is the power in the engine, but it feels like to me I'm just sitting on a tricycle uh, barefoot with some training wheels and not really going anywhere. Well, there's, there's more to this image here. We can live in such a way that it prevents the Holy Spirit from moving through us freely and doing His work. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Paul writes, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In Ephesians, Paul is in the midst of instructing believers on how to live this new life that they have in Christ. And part of this instruction here says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. That, that points again to the, the personhood of the Holy Spirit, right? Impersonal forces like gravity are not uh, grieved or made sorrowful. But, but personal beings who love can certainly be grieved. And now, for the parents in the room, when your child uh, grieves your heart. What do you do? Maybe don't answer that out loud. Maybe don't answer that out loud, okay? Uh, but, uh, just kidding. I'm guessing you don't just say, like, we're going to go sell the kids on eBay. I'm done with these kids. Uh, you don't go that far, but, but there is uh, some sort of uh, pain in the relationship. If they have grieved your heart and something has come up, no, you don't sell them on eBay, but you do say, you know what, there are some things that, that have to be dealt with if they're screaming at you, if they're deliberately disobeying you and causing problems in the home. It's like, I, I still love you, but hey, we got to kind of address this before we just go back to business as usual, right? We need to talk about this and deal with this and work through this. And so it's the same with, same with the Holy Spirit. We can grieve Him. We need to kind of address this. We need to repent those things, in order for the relationship to be uh, restored to what it's supposed to be. We get this other image in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 of how we can kind of hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19 uses the language of quenching the Spirit. Quenching. Now, in the context of that passage, it has some connections to like corporate church life and evaluation of prophecy and, and things like that in a communal way. But there are implications here for us individually. The, the word there for quench uh, has the connotation of, of putting out a fire or extinguishing a flame. Like when you throw water on a campfire. Okay, most of you have witnessed that. You're having a great time camping. The flame is going strong. You're eating s'mores. Everything is nice. And then the flames kind of start to die down. And eventually before you go to bed, you pour water out on the fire, and it sizzles, and it crackles, and then it goes out. There's no more fire, no more heat, no more light. And so in the same way, we, we can do things 
that, that hinder or kind of quench the Spirit of God from, from working through us more powerfully. The way a, a hose gets kinked or arteries get clogged. We can say, well, we have the Holy Spirit, but we've essentially put something in the way and cut off uh, His power from moving. And simply put, friends, this grieving and this quenching takes place when, when we sin. When we sin. Sin at its core is about failing to uphold the law of God in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. We essentially disobey God's commands and we set ourselves up as king and as authority of our lives. We say, you know what, God? Uh, I'm going to do things my own way. Thank you very much. And we engage in these destructive patterns or these selfish pursuits. It dishonors God, harms ourselves, harms other people. And so when we live this way, we, we grieve and we quench the Holy Spirit. We essentially cut off God from moving as powerfully as he wants to. Now, let me be clear. Sin in our lives and the presence of sin in the life of a believer doesn't keep us from salvation. It's not like, hey, you sin and now you're out of the camp. Otherwise, no one would be saved. But, but sin in our lives can keep us from experiencing the fullness of God's power and work in us. And so maybe that's where we need to start 2021. If we have big plans and big dreams and big hopes for the year, we need to start first with an honest look in the mirror and say, God, what do you want to do in me? Before I ask you for all these blessings and all these things to come my way, what, what needs to change in my heart so I'm more aligned with you and your will? Where am I grieving you, Lord? Where am I essentially quenching your work in my life, cutting you out of certain situations or certain parts of my heart? And so the first step for us, if that's you, is, is confession and repentance. So if the Holy Spirit is, is convicting you right now, pointing something out in your heart, hey, there's this sin you've committed or are committing or that you are walking in, you need to confess it to God and ideally to someone else as well. Maybe seek forgiveness. And then you need to repent and walk in a different direction by the power of the Spirit. So I encourage you to reflect on that and let today be a day of repentance where you turn from sin, you face the other direction, you move towards God. Say, God, I, I want to end this pattern, this, this behavior, this posture. I want to turn to you. I, I don't fully know how in my own strength I, I can't live how you want me to, but I know that through the power of your spirit, you can change me. You can lead me. You can do this work in me. Would you come and do that, Lord? Come, Holy Spirit. And friends, it's this uh, truth that we remember when we come to the table and take communion. So as we talked about earlier in the service, this is a communion Sunday where we're going to have a chance to uh, celebrate communion as a church family. Communion is where we remember uh, the broken body and shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Jesus died for sinners. Jesus died for you and for me. And so we celebrate that as a church, the sacrifice of Jesus in our place so that we would not have to bear our sin, so that we would not have to face judgment, so that we would not have to face a condemnation, but could freely uh, be forgiven 
Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and now live this new life in God. Again, as we look out at 2021, this is what we most desperately need. The gospel, the forgiveness of our sins, the indwelling presence of God to seek and follow him. And so friends, I'm going to pray a short prayer and then I'm going to leave some space for you to uh, reflect, to confess your sins to God, to ask for his help in your life. And then uh, we'll take communion together. So would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we look to you and we just want to say thank you for uh, the work of the cross. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to die for us. Because we know that we're not the people that you fully want us to be. We know that we sin and stumble and we disobey and we, we hurt each other. We hurt other people. So Lord, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us for how we've dishonored you? Would you forgive us for how we've hurt other people? Thank you that through the cross, the body and blood of Jesus, you've given us forgiveness for all who would trust in him. So Lord, we confess our sins to you now. Amen. Well, friends, let's, uh, let's celebrate communion together and the forgiveness we have in Christ. On the night he was betrayed, uh, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. And if you, if you are here this morning, if you're tuning in this morning, and you want to trust in Jesus, and you want to turn from your sin and receive him today, uh, you can pray right now and put your trust in him. And also, we'd love to walk with you in that. I'd love to talk with you, encourage you, uh, answer any questions you may have, help you start that journey uh, with Jesus. And so if you filled out that connection card, if you can fill out the connection card and let us know, I'd love to know more next steps about following Jesus. Would love to get in touch with you and help walk with you through that. All right, thanks, friends.